Welcome to the Love and Context Podcast, engaging in unscripted conversations with your hosts, Ben and Spencer. Whether you're tuning in from your car, your office, your home, or anywhere in between, we are so happy to have you join us today. Our mission is simple, to explore the Bible through a powerful lens of love. Together, we'll uncover fresh insights and gain deeper understandings of how we can love God and love the people in our everyday lives. So buckle up and join us on the spiritual journey as we discover timeless wisdom that is just as relevant today as it was thousands of years ago. Without further ado, let's dive right in. Welcome back once again to the Loving Context Podcast. Just a reminder, I am Ben. And I am Spencer. And this conversation is relatively unscripted. Actually, it's completely unscripted, but Mm -hmm. sometimes we have notes. Yeah, sometimes we have a rough outline. Today we have our Bible apps open. Yeah, so it is going to be one of those days where the ADHD of Spencer is on high alert. Let's go. Yeah, let's that's go. Great. <laughs> You're going to be like, we were talking about loving your neighbor, and then Spencer's talking about his dog, and then next thing we know, he's fishing, and then he disappears for 20 minutes, yeah. and then he's back. Yep. It's going to be just terribly on topic. So this is pretty much the episode where we, we're actually going to close out Leviticus because next week is our Q&A episode. Correct. And so I thought it was really important. One of the one of the most quoted verses from Leviticus actually comes from Leviticus 19. Mm-hmm. And it's the one that everybody just thinks of right off the top of their head, right? Leviticus 19? Yeah. I've never thought Leviticus off the top of my head in general, <laughs> but that's okay. You remember just like a few episodes ago, I was like, I'm really excited. We're going to get into Leviticus. And you're like, said no one ever. <laughs> <laughs> pretty oh, much. Pretty I actually much. think at this point, especially because some of you have written us emails or talked to us. And, and I, I think people are actually coming around to like Leviticus is a way cooler book than they thought. Yeah, they yeah. are. They are. So the place that we're actually going to be going to is in Leviticus 19. And believe it or not, this is a place that's quoted by Jesus. And yeah. it's one of his most famous quotes. And And it's something that's very important to the Christian existence. Now, in the book of Matthew, Jesus is having this conversation with a teacher of the law, and he says, what is the greatest command? And he says, what have you heard? The guy says, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, Jesus says, all of the law and prophets hang on these commands, right? Now, in rabbinic speak, what he's saying is everything else in the Torah is interpreted through loving God and loving your neighbor, Mm -hmm. right? The first portion of that, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, is said in Torah in the book of Deuteronomy, mm-hmm. which we're going to be talking about. It's quite a few weeks away. <clears throat> but the other portion of it is what we're going to talk about today, the love your neighbor as yourself. That actually shows up in Leviticus 19. Yep. So Jesus says the way that you're going to interpret all of Torah is going to happen through something in Deuteronomy mm-hmm. and also something in Leviticus. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that we need to specify that this book is important. Yes. Yes, it is. So with that in mind, I thought this was going to be kind of fun. I'm actually going to read all of Leviticus 19 because we're okay. going to we're going to narrow in on love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. But I really want to talk about uh, what's going on here. <clears throat> yeah. Now, starting in, in verse one, Leviticus 19 says, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, be holy because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Okay. What does be holy mean? Set apart. Set apart. Different than everybody else. Mm-hmm. So right away, the things that he's going to talk about are going to be things that make you different than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Side note, in Matthew, uh, Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus is talking about be perfect just as I am perfect, mm-hmm. 
here's where he's getting it from. Right. It's a reference back to this idea of Levitical mm-hmm. priesthood. You're supposed to look different than everybody else. Yep. So with that in mind, let's keep going in here. Each of you must respect your mother and father, and you must observe my Sabbath. I am the Lord your God. Do not turn to the idols or make metal gods for yourselves. I am the Lord your God. Okay. Both of those things we should see as things that are not common in the cultures around them. Yeah. When you sacrifice a fellowship offering to the Lord, sacrifice it in such a way that it will be accepted on your behalf. It shall be eaten on the day you sacrifice it or the next on the next day. Anything left over until the third day must be burned up. If any of it is eaten on the third day, it is impure and will not be accepted. Whoever eats it will be held responsible because they have desecrated what is holy to the Lord. They must be cut off from their people. When you reap of a harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Okay, two things right here. First is when you bring a fellowship offering meant to bring fellowship, Mm -hmm. make sure that you actually do it the right way. Yes. I remember when we had Pastor Clint on, we talked about inviting somebody to coffee table, and then we don't have a chair for him. Yeah. If you invite someone to coffee, and you're like, oh, by the way, I'm going to sit at this whole table. You can sit at the table across the room from me. Yeah. Is that person going to come to coffee with you again? Or I invite somebody who's a vegetarian, and I serve bacon and steak. Well, it's their fault they're a vegetarian. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm just joking. My, I, I say that. My wife was a vegetarian. You can like actually years, write so. to Spencer at loveandcontext at gmail.com and tell him exactly what you think about that. But, yeah, if you invite someone who you know has dietary restrictions and you serve something that they cannot have. Yeah. One lady that I work with, she has some pretty strict dietary restrictions. And so whenever we take turns cooking meals for each other when we meet and stuff like that, so whenever we're cooking meals, I'm mindful of right. that, right? You're thinking about the other person. You're yeah. thinking about the purpose of the meal is actually who you're actually sharing it with. Yes. So when you come to have a fellowship offering with God, mm-hmm. make sure you know why you're there. Yeah. That's good reason. Mm-hmm. It, it's almost like he's saying, don't just go through the motions because it's something you should do. Mm-hmm. And then the next one is about not cutting the ends of your fields. Yeah. Because there's always going to be poor among you. Mm-hmm. And so you need to have a generous heart. Yeah. By the way, can we stop there and actually talk about that quote from Jesus? Mm-hmm. So he says, uh, you will always have them poor among you. It's when they're, they're talking about, oh, we could have sold that to feed the poor and all these different things. And Jesus actually says, but you always have the poor among me, but you won't always have me. Mm-hmm. Now, people have taken that as you're always going to have the poor among you. So your focus shouldn't be taking care of the poor, but rather to service Jesus. Now, yeah. on a broad level, yes, but the heart of Jesus is to serve people. I don't think you can say you serve or follow Jesus if you're not serving the poor amongst you. The reason I say that is because it is all throughout Scripture. You have here in Leviticus where he's talking about the margins in the field. You could actually take that, and this is might not be the direct application for it, but you could actually take that and say, okay, where are the margins in your life to where you can meet the needs of those around you? Ooh, so you're saying my discretionary income maybe isn't just for me? Maybe, right? Yeah. Maybe it's not just for you. Maybe you need to, I mean, if we're going to talk about a money standpoint, I have some friends, like what they do is they're like, all right, they, they do their tithe to the church, but then they have an additional percent that they just set aside mm-hmm. in their budget. And they're like, this is specifically for blessing and helping those in our community. Because they're being intentional about this desire yeah. to reach on the outside, yeah, to not cut the ends of their field. Now, we are not Jews, so obviously like some of these things don't necessarily apply, but in a very philosophical way, mm-hmm. they absolutely apply. We should yeah. orient our lives in a way that we don't cut the outsides, but we leave it 
to actually take care of those around us that yes. are always among us. Now, I quoted that thing from Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Did you know he's actually quoting Deuteronomy when he says that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Deuteronomy fifteen eleven. He says, for the poor will never cease to be in the land. Mm-hmm. Therefore, now Jesus, assuming that they know this, right? Therefore, I command you saying, you shall freely open your hand to your brother, to the needy and the poor in your land. Mm-hmm. So what Jesus is not saying is that in honoring him, you suddenly lose your obligation to take care of those around you. Yeah. Okay. This is all going to be important because this is all part of the same context we're coming into love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. So let's continue on in verse 11. Mm-hmm. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not deceive one another. Do not swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Do not hold back the wages of a hired worker overnight. Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but fear your God. I am the Lord. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. By the way, I love that sentence there. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great. Mm -hmm. Like you can't cut it either way. No. We need to have justice for our neighbors. Mm -hmm. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. Do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly, so you will not share in their guilt. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So let's stop there because there, I actually want to continue on because it mm-hmm. actually continues on in another context that I think is really good. So there's a lot of instructions here about community living. Yeah. I think it's really interesting that this goes under a heading, at least in the NIV, of various laws. I, I think it's interesting, like a lot of the translations, and, and maybe uh, send us an email or a comment about what your translation says at the top of 19. Mm-hmm. Mine says various laws. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's very interesting. It's like, we don't know how to classify this. And the reality is, this is like, how do you live in a community? Yeah. How do you actually flourish among people, both God's people mm-hmm. and people that are not part of God's people? Yeah. How do you actually look different than everybody else? Yeah. Some of these should sound very familiar from our 10 words. Yeah, they do. A lot of these things sound like common sense. Don't steal, don't deceive, don't cheat don't swear falsely, Mm -hmm. so on and so forth. A lot of these are like, okay, this sounds pretty common sense. You also need to understand the day and age that this was written in. Mm -hmm. It was not written in a day and age where where the community of which they were a part of was vast and you could just kind of shift friend groups or social groups if you needed to, right? It wasn't written in that day and age. It was written in a day and age where you were a part of a tribe of Israel, some larger than others. And so you had to deal with the issues you had with other people. And so it's saying, how do you do this lovingly? And how do you do this in a way that builds each other up? Also, how do you do this in a way that you don't end up killing each other? Yeah. And then the other portion of this is when we're talking about not cheating people, making sure that you pay their wages, all these different Mm -hmm. things. Don't uh, only sympathize with the poor or show partiality to the rich. Right. These are things, by the way, you should hear that from James, Mm -hmm. the book of James. Mm -hmm. What's what's the temptation when you come from Egypt? Like this is your culture where might makes right. And if you're rich and powerful, you can basically do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. This says, no, you can't. But also, just because you were a slave and you identify with that, it doesn't mean that the weaker party is always correct. Yeah. It's a little bit of an ego check, too. Yeah. Because you follow Israel's story out of Egypt. They were freed from the most powerful nation in the world. And then they went on with the help of God 
to defeat other tribes, other nations going into the promised land. Yeah, they've, they've had a fight with the Amalekites at this point. Yep. And they've had a few skirmishes, but they haven't had any real fights. Mm-hmm. But they're coming. Yeah. They are coming. And uh, it's going to be really tempting when you're like, ah, oh, man, we're awesome. We should just go and do this. In fact, I think in Numbers, there's a conversation we're going to have about where they, they accept a false report. And then God says, okay, you're not going in the land. And then they're like, oh, no, we'll go now. And he's like, no, I already said you can't go now. And they're like, oh, no, we'll be fine. We'll, we'll go with and we'll bear your name. Mm-hmm. Well, you're bearing something. You're just not bearing his name. And mm-hmm. we'll, we'll talk about that. But yeah. who's, whose banner are you actually running with? Are you trusting in your might or in God's might? Do you trust in God's justice? By the way, going back to Genesis, yeah. do you trust that God is not holding out on you? Or do you go out and try to take for yourself? Yeah. These laws revolve around these same concepts. Mm-hmm. And so all the way down to the point where it says that uh, you, as um, Israelites, need to make sure that you do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. I know a lot of Christians who love to quote, uh, love your neighbor as yourself Mm -hmm. that bear a lot of grudges. Mm -hmm. Well, you back up a verse a little bit more. It says, do not nurse hatred in your heart for any of your relatives. Yeah. Okay. Then, Then it says confront people directly so that you will not be held guilty in their sin. Right. Now, I, w- I want to just pause here on this because I know a lot of believers who do nurse hatred towards mm-hmm. fellow believers. And what they'll do is they'll justify it as, oh, well, that person's not truly a follower of Jesus mm-hmm. because they don't fully believe as I do or whatnot. There's lots of different, I've run into lots of different variations of this. But they'll justify their hatred as, oh, well, maybe they're not actually following Jesus. We will have an episode where we talk about how we demonize each other. Yeah. 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 And then the second part of this, confront people directly. It doesn't say be a jerk. It also doesn't say talk to other people about that person. (laughs) Yes. If you have an issue with somebody, go to them, confront them about it. You can be direct and loving Mm -hmm. at the same time. One, we, I want to go back to, like, even uh, a few yeah. weeks ago, we talked about Ephesians, mm-hmm. speaking truth and love. Yeah. The idea is you have unity, not uniformity, mm-hmm. and you're ardently pursuing God. And in that pursuit, when we have the best in mind for the person around us, then we can speak truth and love. When I understand you, yeah. I'm in community, I'm in fellowship with you, I can speak truth and love. Yeah. You can't speak truth and love outside of that context. No, you can't. Yeah. That's good. Mm-hmm. So this is about the middle of the chapter. So let's just keep going on. And it says, love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Continuing on in 19. Keep my decrees. Do not make different kinds of animals. Do not plant your field with two kinds of seed. Do not wear clothing woven of two kinds of material. If a man sleeps with a female slave who is promised to another man, but who has not been ransomed or given her freedom, there must be due punishment. Yet they are not to be put to death because she has not been freed. The man, however, must bring a ram to the entrance to the tent of meeting for a guilt offering to the Lord. With the ram or guilt offering, the priest is to make atonement for him because of the sin of the Lord for the sin he has committed, and his sin will be forgiven. When you enter the land and plant any kind of tree, regardless, regard its fruit as forbidden. For three years you are to consider it forbidden, for it, it must not be eaten. In the fourth year, all of its fruit will be holy, an offering of praise to the Lord. But in the fifth year, you may eat its fruit. In this way, your harvest will be increased. I am the Lord your God. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's take a stop, step back really quick. And I am not avoiding the one about the ransom and the, and the slavery. I just think that that is going to require more context than we're going to put in this episode. So yeah. we're going to pin that, bring that up for a Q and a, if you want that in the future. Mm-hmm. Okay. But what's going on here? He's saying there's don't make two different kinds of animals, different kinds of field, different kinds of fabrics, different people groups, mm-hmm. right? You're not mixing. Now, why? Because you're supposed to be different. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be set apart. You're not intermingling. One of the things that gets Israel in trouble over and over again is they want to mingle a little bit of Phoenicia with mm-hmm. a little bit of Egypt with mm-hmm. a little bit of, you know, and not shockingly, it ends up looking nothing like what God actually has for you. Mm-hmm. You know, eating a little bacon's not that bad. Not when you're a Gentile. Right. <laughs> Get a good old cup of bacon. <laughs> Call out to the Bayma podcast uh-huh. for that. Uh-huh. There's a very practical one, but once again here is this whole thing with the fruit tree. Like anybody who actually does these types of things knows that you don't eat the fruit for the first couple of years. Yeah. You actually have to let it grow and produce fruit year after year Mm -hmm. before you actually try to reap from it. Which, by the way, if we judge a person as a tree and fruit, sometimes in the first couple of years, that fruit might not quite be ready. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Give it time. Mm Mm-hmm continue to, you know, prune that tree, work with it, all those different things. I think the tendency is we want to immediately diagnose a person rather than actually discipling them through a process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So looking ahead here, do not eat any meat with the blood still in it. Okay. That should, by the way, make sense with our episode where we talked about the life being in the blood and you cast your identity onto the animal, mm-hmm. right? Like, why do you not eat blood? So they're just trying to re- reinstate what's going on here. Plus yeah. health. Mm-hmm. Food with blood in it would make you real sick if you don't cook it right. Mm-hmm. Do not practice divinations or seek omens. Do not cut the hair on the sides of your head or clip off the edges of your beard. Do not cut your bodies for the dead or to put tattoo marks on yourself. I am the Lord. Do not degrade your daughter by making her a prostitute or the land will turn to prostitution. Be afflicted with wickedness. Observe my Sabbath and have reverence for my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritists. Spiritists. That's a hard word. For you will be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. Stand in the presence of the aged. Show respect for the elderly and revere your God. I am the Lord. When the foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself. For you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Do not use dishonest standards when measuring length, weight, or height, or quality, sorry, I can read, I promise. Use honest scales and honest weights, an honest ephah and an honest hin. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Keep all my decrees and all my laws and follow them. I am the Lord. Mm-hmm. Okay. Once again here, why are we going into these things again? Right? Because he wants them to be different than everything else around them. Mm-hmm. Right? So when they're mentioning specific practices, I've seen this, this, this quote from Leviticus where people talk about the reason you shouldn't get tattoos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The tattoos that they are getting are ritual worship for their gods in the Middle Eastern culture. Mm-hmm. They are meant for for blessing, for whatever you want to place on it. They, they were they were ritualistic things. Yeah. It is not the same as when somebody wants to get a cross tattoo across their forearm to remind them of Christ saving their life. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, you can be against tattoos, and I'm totally fine with that. I actually have no tattoos. Yeah. My I, wife has plenty. Yeah. 
I don't have any tattoos either, mostly because I'm like, it just doesn't appeal to me to go have a needle stuck in my arm or leg for thousands of times to make a picture. Yeah, I don't like getting pinched. And so, like, you think about getting pinched, like, a couple thousand times, like, that just doesn't sound pleasant to me. Right, like, it just doesn't sound like a fun thing to me. I know other people who love tattoos, Mm -hmm. and they're wonderful people who follow Jesus. one, One of my encouragements to you, though, is regardless of how you feel about it, this is not probably mean what you think it does if you're trying to use it as a reason people shouldn't get tattoos. Mm-hmm. Also, along with the, they talk about not clipping the hair on the sides of your head or clipping off the edges of your beard. Okay, once again, these have to do with ritualistic things. Mm-hmm. You've got to understand the cultures that they're speaking into. Yeah. So a lot of these are don't do the things that they do for deity worship in the other areas. Like mm-hmm. even like placing your daughter as a prostitute. Mm-hmm. Right? Like now hopefully... Nobody listening to this is, oh, dang, I was going to place my daughter as a prostitute. Hopefully that's not the case. And if it is, send us your your address. We're going to call CPS on you <laughs> because that is not okay. These things that are, are going on here are regarding what is happening now outside of their culture because they didn't necessarily have respect for the elderly. They didn't care about, they treat the foreigners among them really well. Mm-hmm. But God says, you, you're going to love your neighbor as you love yourself. But now I need you to love the foreigner, the people who are not part of your tribe, mm-hmm. the people who are not part of your family, the people who are not part of your faith dynamic, I need you to love them like they are. Mm-hmm. For you were once foreigners in Egypt, mm-hmm. and he is the Lord God who brought us out of the land of Egypt. Mm-hmm. So we're going to love people even when they don't look the same, talk the same, come from the same place, and definitely don't do the same things as us. Yeah. Absolutely. And when we are talking about loving people, like putting that in a modern context, remember back to when you didn't know Jesus. Who were you at that point in your life? Okay, now do you know people in your sphere who don't know Jesus, who are acting the same way that you used to? Aren't you so thankful someone came alongside you and loved you for who you were at that time? Yeah. Doesn't mean that's who you are now, right? be clear on that but they loved you for who you were so now it's your turn to be like okay i'm gonna love those people for who they are and watch jesus do transforming work in their lives so pastor nick has this game that he plays where he takes little portions of what we say Uh and he quotes it out of context because it's called love and context so he calls Uh it out of love and out of context Mm -hmm. and so he'll text us these sound bites periodically so this is probably one that's going to get clipped oh it's gonna be so great Do you realize that people's sin isn't actually the issue? Mm -hmm. Okay. Is the problem for somebody in today's world that they are a practicing adulterer? Now that has problems hundred percent. And that, that kind of behavior leads to certain ramifications in your life, Mm -hmm. right? hundred percent. Like they don't actually bring life, but is that the issue? No, it seems like that is a symptom of the issue. Yeah. Which is that we have a broken nature that happened in Eden. Mm-hmm. When we said, we don't trust you, God, we're going to define good and evil on our own terms. And then from that point forward, we actually had a broken nature that was incapable of receiving the grace of God. Yeah. At least on a permanent basis. Mm-hmm. God is like speaking into this and he's like, I want to restore relationship. 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 Finally, Jesus bridging the gap and coming and taking all sin and all death and fundamentally changing our nature by conquering them in the grave and by rising again. Mm -hmm. 
And don't mishear us. Forgiveness of sins is crucial. Crucial. It's it's crucial. But it is the first step into restoration with relationship with relationship to God. Yeah. Sins are forgiven, and as we draw closer to God, we become closer in relationship with him, more tight-knit with him. Correct. And the less those sin temptations, those sin desires exist in our lives, the more we lean into who God is. But just because you're forgiven doesn't mean you're not going to be tempted and doesn't mean you're not going to slip up. Right. Okay? So even if you look at Narcotics Anonymous or Alcoholics Anonymous or anything like that, if someone slips up, it's not like, oh, hey, you're done, you're out of the program. That's not what it is. They have a process they go through. Okay? I don't, I've never been a part of it, so I don't know too much about it. I know the last people, episode I talked about AA, now you're talking about NA. People are going to be like, yeah, right, these guys. Yeah, that's true. Regardless, sins are forgiven. That's supposed, that's the starting point to us being drawn closer to God and being restored in relationship with God. Right. So what you talked about earlier in Leviticus, mm-hmm. God has always been capable of forgiving sins. Yes. So that can't be the groundbreaking thing that Jesus actually comes to do. Jesus actually comes to fundamentally change our nature to actually bring the kingdom among us. Yeah. So that the kingdom of heaven is now something that we live into. Mm-hmm. Now, forgiveness of sins is a part of that. Our nature gets changed. God forgives our sins, and then he empowers us by the Holy Spirit to mm-hmm. live differently. Yeah. Through the forgiveness of sins, we are redeemed, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Exactly. Exactly. You're probably like, oh, why are we being very specific with this? Well, because we sometimes I think we get bogged down in theological terminology mm-hmm. and we're like oh no it's always sin 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 i was like yeah but if you don't actually have a change in nature nothing changes mm-hmm. then you're just coming back over and over again for forgiveness of sin and you never actually have power over it mm-hmm. but that's not what god actually teaches us no, he says that not. i empower you to be different yeah and that's the transformative work of christ in your life yeah. is that your life is actually it was one way mm-hmm. to quote from the chosen it was one way mm-hmm and now it's different. Yeah. And the only thing in between is him. Yep. Amen. By the way, I, I'm going to throw it out here. I think I've talked about it before. I love The Chosen. Mm-hmm. You I have talked about it. I, I, I think that they do a fantastic job. I know not everybody loves it because they're taking scripture and putting it on film and stuff. I love it. Mm-hmm. I think that they've done it. They're being trying to be as faithful as possible and mm-hmm. encourage people in their faith. Mm-hmm. So Dallas Jenkins, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on the podcast. <laughs> so now coming back to this idea about the changed nature now. Mm-hmm. So why is this important? Because loving other people doesn't mean condoning what they're doing. Exactly. It also doesn't mean fixing what they're doing. Exactly. It means actually introducing them, the core of them to the person of Jesus and allowing him to transform their life. Mm-hmm. Now I think it's important that the love of the foreigner comes in the midst of all these things where they tell, he tells the Israelites, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. These are things that they do, but when they come into your area, you need to love them like you love your brothers and sisters. Yeah. Right? So you're going to have to sit among them and be different. Yep. Don't retreat back to your churches, Uh your houses, and never engage the culture. You're going to be out and among people. Mm-hmm. live differently yep. to put a story on display and love them like you love your brothers and sisters. Amen. That's hard. That's very hard. It's a much more difficult thing than saying, oh, I just, I, I theoretically just love you, but I'm just going to not in- interact with you because I don't want to deal with the, ugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the reason that's hard is because this requires you to not hold grudges. <laughs> 
to not keep records of wrong. Paul goes into this in First Corinthians 13. Yeah. Right? It's patient, love's patient, it's kind, no records of wrong, so on and so forth. Read it from the lens of like how incredibly difficult is this? It's almost like you would need divine help to do it. Yeah, right? There's things that people do that honestly just drive me nuts that I just am like, why would I want to be around that? He's talking about me. I am talking about Ben, 100%, and, and Pastor Nick, if he's listening. But there there are things that people do that was just like, man, that is really hard to put up with. Anybody who is married knows what I'm talking about. And if you're like, and if you're married, you're like, oh, no, we don't have those issues. You do. They're, you're just not admitting to them. But anybody who's married knows what I'm talking about. Okay? There are things that my wife does that drives me nuts. Okay? And there's things that I do that drive my wife nuts. There's things that we do that drive each other nuts. What we make sure we do not do is when something drives us nuts, we're like, you remember five years ago when you said this thing? Yeah. Or you did this, or you did that, or I asked for this, and you said no. What we don't do is we don't hold grudges on that. We still drive each other nuts sometimes, but we work that out, move on, and do not hold grudges. Yeah. I want to, I want to talk about the other end of that too, Mm -hmm. because I think if you have somebody where they're like, well, you said you forgave me. And I was like, well, you also said you were going to change your behavior and you're Mm -hmm. doing the exact same thing. And so I'm not necessarily bringing up that the past, because I I was having this conversation with my spouse once Mm -hmm. I said, I'm not necessarily bringing up the past because I haven't forgiven you for the event. What I'm saying is what you are doing now is very similar to this, Mm -hmm. which is something I thought we got past. Mm -hmm. So that's good communication. Yeah. And that obviously that always involves a two way street. I was like, but the reason I'm bringing up the past is not to attack, but to, to have a real conversation about like, Hey, what am I feeling today? Mm-hmm. Yeah. My heart's not to tick off my spouse every day. Yeah. Some, some days, <laughs> some days it depends on the day. There's days I'm better at it than other days. <laughs> Let's be real. But that's not my heart. Right. Yeah. And there are some habits that are so ingrained in my life that I've been changing, but they take time. Yeah. In other words, guys, marriage is hard. Yeah. The way that we love our spouse, well, not the exact way, but the way that we have unending compassion and and will bear with people that we are married to or in a family, we need to have that kind of compassion for people who are outside. Yeah. Right? Now, I do think that it's it's important to know that like, just with your family, like you set boundaries, you set guidelines, like you make sure that you're protecting your sanity, protecting your 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 ability to love God and love other people. And so I think people will tend to want to violate those boundaries. And yeah. it's okay to tell someone, hey, you violated some boundaries, so we need to take a step back. Mm-hmm. Like clear communication, like just taking a step back in a relationship with somebody is not necessarily unloving. Yeah. It depends on why you do it. Mm-hmm. Are you doing it because you want no relationship moving forward? Are you doing it so that you can reevaluate how to move forward? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was so good. Yeah. I, I just think it's really important. Uh, so uh, my wife and I have been spending a lot of time like just with different um, books, reading about boundaries and, and like how do, you, how do you interact with people. And one of the things that I realized is that um, I had a tendency to let people just run, all, run rampant all over my boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I started being very clear on what my boundaries are. And when somebody ran up against it and they would say, well, I need you to do this. I said, no. And they're like, Oh, why not? And I said, it's a boundary. Mm -hmm. And then they wanted further clarification. If I have to explain to you why I have a boundary, then you're looking to argue with me about my boundary. Mm -hmm. Right. It's okay to have boundaries that you just don't argue about. Mm -hmm. 
it has actually allowed me to have some really good conversations with people who tend to run right over boundaries. Yeah. And I think our relationship is better since then. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tying this back, we've been talking about marriage a lot. Part of the reason for that is our marriages are supposed to be a image of the church's relationship with Christ. And so we need to understand some stuff there. We need to understand that we as a church are called to love the foreigners and the outsiders in our community. Mm -hmm. And what I'm referring to is anybody who is not in relationship with Jesus. Like we need to be loving those people. We need to be loving those people well. That doesn't mean we are sacrificing on certain beliefs, right? But we can actually, we can hold firm on beliefs and still be loving. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think I think we often miss this where we're like, oh, we're holding strong to the truth. And I was like, yeah, but if you're not loving, you're not holding strong to the truth. Yeah. And if you need a refresher on that, we just talked about First John, I think it was two episodes ago. Yeah. 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 And so if you're not loving your neighbors well, you're not actually holding to the truth. The other thing is loving doesn't mean you're tolerant of every behavior. We've talked, we just talked about that a little bit. Yeah. I love my children and I don't tolerate every behavior that they have. Yeah. I don't tolerate my daughter throwing a massive fit right before bedtime. I still love my daughter. When we're loving people, we are trying to encourage people into a place where they're encountering Jesus, where Jesus is doing transformative work in their lives, and they are becoming better people because of that. Do you think maybe part of what's going on is culture is conflating acceptance and tolerance as one word? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where it's not. No. I can accept you as a person Mm -hmm. and as a person made in the image of God Mm -hmm. and still not tolerate certain behaviors. Yeah. I wanted to recommend a couple of different resources. So not just our conversation, but just a couple of different people's conversation. So mm-hmm. last week we re- recommended Bob Goff love does Bob has a really good heart of how do you love people that are just completely out of your wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Right. John Townsend is a believer who is also a psychologist. Mm-hmm. Right. And so he wrote a book called loving people, how to love and be loved. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's going to be a little bit more clinical approach and there's, it's going to be a little bit maybe different than you might be having encountered that before. There's a book called Keep Your Love On by a guy mm-hmm. by the name of Danny Silk. He also comes from a therapeutic background. Mm-hmm. And just talking about how do you love people in the middle of not necessarily always liking them. Mm-hmm. Like how do you keep your love on regardless of what happens in a relationship? Mm-hmm. All great resources. And they're, they're going to be very diverse backgrounds in their theological beliefs. So read all three. And if you don't like one, just move on to the next one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I guarantee you you're not going to agree with everyone. Yeah especially everyone on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is Leviticus 19. It, it kind of falls in the middle of Leviticus. So why do you end the look at Leviticus with something in the middle? Chiasm. Yep. Chiasm. It's once again, like in the middle of this book and you can even hear it as it repeats itself. Love your neighbor as yourself and then love the foreigner as you love your neighbor. Mm-hmm. This whole book is about how do you interact with people And put the story of God on display. Because once again, the book of Leviticus is about God instructing his people, Mm -hmm. his kingdom of priests, how to be priests, and put it on display for the entire world. How to become a more healthy, ethical, functioning society that's going to flourish in the desert. Yeah. So good. That is what you should be taking away from this book. Yeah. It's not one of the nitpicky laws that were very hard to follow. It's actually how do we love our neighbors well? How do we love the foreigner well? Yeah. And how do we put God's story on display? Because if, if you read this story from any other context but that, you're going to come away with some really weird ideas. Yeah, very weird ideas. 
So I think that's probably going to be good. I think that's a good short episode to kind of wrap us up here. Mm -hmm. Once again, if you want to reach us, we have loveincontext at gmail.com. That's where Mm -hmm. you can write. If you're a vegetarian, you can write to Spencer there and tell him about how offended you were. I'll send you a package of bacon. (laughs) Yeah. You can also follow us on Facebook at Love and Context, Instagram at Love and Context, and TikTok. We are, I think, Love and Context Podcast. Okay. Yeah, because we had issues with a username or something like that. Additionally, we also do have a YouTube channel. If you guys can subscribe to that, that actually helps our Mm -hmm. our viewership and getting pushed out to more people. Yeah. But you can listen to us on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, and just about everywhere that you can imagine. Yep. Pretty much everywhere you can find us at so, this point. Even though next week's episode is the Q&A, we have found that we need to request Q&A questions well in advance. So probably at the end of Torah, mm-hmm. we're going to do another Q&A episode. So that's going to be probably another 14, 15 weeks away yeah. from now. But go ahead and just start launching those questions and let us know what you guys think. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, until next time. That's a wrap for today's episode. We want to extend a heartfelt thank you for tuning in and spending your valuable time with us. We hope that you found today's conversation insightful and that you take something meaningful from it. If you have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Reach out to us at loveandcontext at gmail.com and we will be sure to get back to you. Remember, you can always engage with our content on all your favorite listening platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, and one. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Love and Context on Instagram and Facebook for updates. We are talking about Jesus. I do want to point out, though, that you did wait until we started to record before you bit into that spicy chicken. Mm-hmm. It's actually not a spicy chicken sandwich. He just has a spicy chicken here running around that he bought into. It's mm-hmm. like <laughs> Leviticus 19. Let's go. Let's go. Leviticus. Leviticus. Our home and... Wait, that's the... Oh, Canada. Never mind. Leviticus <laughs> is our home? Yeah, I guess, apparently. Oh, okay. Okay. It talks about how we should behave at home. Love your neighbor as yourself. End of episode. I'm joking.